Hey everyone, welcome back to an all new edition of the 20% Podcast, the podcast that brings you tips and tricks from industry professionals across all industries that you can implement in your current job today. This week's guest is Laura Brandeo. Laura is the president of American Financial Resources, as well as the speaker and author of Say Yes Every Day. Laura is also the host of the Positively Charged Biz Podcast, as well as serves on multiple professional associations. Laura was also named the most influential businesswoman to follow, as well as one of the top 10 most empowering businesswomen to watch in 2021. During this episode, we started talking about Laura's start in the mortgage industry and how she worked hard, built relationships, and was always doing more than she was asked as she quickly worked her way up the ranks. We also discussed buying real estate and how it's life-changing, doing more than you're asked, how money is a byproduct, building the blueprint of your life, playing the long game, and much more. Please enjoy this conversation with Laura Brandeo. Laura, welcome to the 20% Podcast. I'm so excited to be here, Tyler. People say that your energy is contagious, and I know from our just conversation from the past 14 minutes that we've chatted, this is going to be a good, a good episode. So could you just tell everybody who you are, what you do, and, and we'll just kind of start there. Absolutely. Well, number one, so excited to be here. And yes, believe it or not, this energy is every single day, regardless of what time of the day, this is what you get. But you know, it's funny, Tyler, when I started out in business, although I always had this energy, I actually hid the energy at times. I had to actually figure out who I was, right? You just said to me, tell a little bit about who I am. Well, going all the way back to where I started in business, I was a young mom. My husband and I got married. I was 19 years old and pregnant right away. And all of a sudden I'm 20 years old and we're like, all right, now what do we do? And how do we afford being able to live? Right? So at that time, I'm like, I need to find a job at night so that that way my husband can work during the day and I can work in the evening. So at that time, it was two choices. You either worked at a store or you got on the phone and you did telemarketing. So I'm like, I'd love to speak to people. I would, I would love to get a job doing that. And I can remember going in for the job interview at 20 years old. And the woman said to me, Laura, we have two positions available. We have an inbound telemarketing job and an outbound telemarketing job. Obviously inbound, you wait for the phone to ring and outbound, you call people. And I said, well, inbound seems too easy. I want the challenge. I wanna call people. And she kind of looked at me like, wow, that's odd, all right? Most people take the other job. Right. So I got on the phone and I was giving a list of people to call because the mortgage rates started to come down at that time. And so we were tasked to call people and offer them a lower interest rate. All we would do, now, Tyler, I'm taking you back a long time ago. No joke. One of the questions was, what is your social security number? Now, can you even imagine, right? In the year 2021, you would never think of saying that over of the phone not. to someone, right? Who's this person? Yes. But back then, people actually give me their social security numbers over the phone to a stranger. Anyway, okay. So I loved speaking to these people. I love the thought of helping people. So about three months into working on the phone, I get an idea. Well, here I am, I'm 20 years old, I'm doing my thing. And I said, you know what? I wanna own a home one day. I wanna be able to get a mortgage and purchase my own home for my family. So one day at four o'clock in the afternoon, I walked into this marketing company and I went up to the vice president. He's an older gentleman. So you're picturing, I'm this young kid. 
He's this older corporate in a suit guy. Okay. And I stood outside his office and knocked on the door. And he kind of looked up and saw me standing there, doesn't know who I am. And he said, yeah. I said, sir, do you have a moment? Okay. And I walked in and I said, I'd like to introduce myself. I'm Laura Brandeo. I work in your telemarketing department in the evening. And sir, I would like to own a home one day. And I was wondering if I could get some additional hours. Well, at that time, he looked at me and he's like, are you asking me for a raise? I said, oh, no, I'm not asking for a raise. I just want to work more hours so I can earn more and save. So at that moment, he goes, are you good at computers? Now I'm thinking to myself, I graduated high school like a year and a half ago. Sure, I'm great at computers, no problem, right? He said, stay late and I'm going to have someone teach you how to run reports. That night at nine o'clock, the IS guy came over and taught me how to run reports. And Tyler, this is a defining moment because when I ran those reports, I didn't just print them and hand them over. I sat there and I analyzed the reports and I knew all the people that were on the phone and I knew the different campaigns because we were multiple campaigns and I analyzed them and I made decisions. I wrote up, well, you know, Tyler actually would be better on this campaign because Tyler is a young gentleman with small children. So he understands the, the demographic that you're speaking to on this campaign. So I think you should move Tyler from here to here. And I dove into this and I made copies of my analysis and I slipped it under the doors of every vice president of that marketing company. And the next day when I arrived at 5 p.m., the VP was waiting for me. I thought I did something wrong. I thought I was in trouble. And he's like, Laura, come here. And I walked into his big office and he's like, why did you do that? I said, because I thought you would like the insight. Well, Tyler, I was promoted instantly at that moment. And within the next couple of years, I was running that entire company before I moved into my full-time position in the mortgage industry. Wow. So you take this situation of, I need to find a job. I need to work at night in sales. So you're, you're gaining sales skills, but then you're also taking the time to go out of your way to talk to this executive and go up there and give them something that they weren't asking for to help pave the way for them. How crucial is trying to help your bosses or even your boss's bosses with trying to make their job easier? Well, isn't like that's that what critical? Doing. Isn't that, but isn't that the way we should always think? And I'm going to tell you, I don't know why my mind has always worked this way, but I'll give a piece of advice to everyone out there. Regardless of your title, I don't care if you're the telemarketer, the janitor, or the CEO, we all should take our positions as being the owners of those companies, regardless of what your title is, because the title does not matter. If you approach every single company that you work for as if you have a piece of ownership, your mindset will change. So when I got those reports, I didn't say, ah, my job is to just print the report. I thought, well, if I am the owner of this company, 
What do I need to learn from these reports? What can I gain value from these reports? So no matter what, how much money I was making, no matter what my title was, I've approached every single position as if I am one of the owners of that company. Wow, that is so crucial. That that's crucial at any stage of your career, but I think especially right now when you're in your younger in your younger yes. generation. For a lot of people who who listen to the show, um, this is crucial. This is incredible advice, Laura. So, so from there, I mean, that was your start in the mortgage company. That was my start. So mm -hmm. you didn't, but you you have a love for for the mortgage industry now. Is this where you did you kind of just manufacture this love for it, or was it the necessity of starting a job and then you fell in love with it? So I didn't, I mean, listen, just like you, I know you just recently purchased a home, right? No one even understands what is the mortgage industry? Like what, what is this process? It's big and it's scary and it's the biggest debt you're ever going to have in your life. It's complicated. Nobody really understands what needs to happen, right? So I don't think anybody ever goes into it going, I want to do this. We, we have a running joke in my industry that we all accidentally fell into it right? But I think it's, it's a love-hate relationship. I have some people that come into it and they're like, no way. It's stressful. There's a lot of emotion because think about it. When you apply for a mortgage and you, you've recently done this, oh, recently you're kind of, you're kind of exposing yourself, how much money you make, what you've saved in your bank, what's on your credit report, your bank statements literally show, oh, look, this guy went to Wawa yesterday. Uh oh, he went to McDonald's on the same day. Where's this guy? Uh, and the liquor store. This is <laughs> real life, though, Laura. There, Laura, right? this is this is literally real life, by the way. <laughs> there you go. So you know you're exposing yourself of everything you've ever done in your life up to this moment. I'm now looking at it, right? So you have to go into the mortgage industry realizing it's life changing. I mean, this past year and a half since 2020, the equity has grown in leaps and bounds in terms of appreciation of homes. That is generational wealth that cannot be accomplished in any other way in the United States. It's life-changing when someone owns a home. Guaranteed real estate will appreciate and you will then refinance. You will then give that home to your children in the future maybe. You will sell it and maybe go get a second home or an investment property. It is such a monumental change to people in the United States that I think I didn't understand it at first, but then I realized the power. And I also realized the emotion that ties to that. I have a great love and concern for other humans. I want to help people. I want to be there to guide them. And so I realized that that aligned to who I personally was and was able to take my why and put it to a profession that ultimately gets to where my personal why is. Wow. I love tying together the why. And I am a huge Simon Siddick fan. Me too. And, and, and the only reason and I tell everybody this as well, um, that the, the only, like my, why is my family as I'm sure you could probably tell just early on. Um, so tying back everything that you could do to, from that monotony of whatever the day to day is looking at that bigger goal of that bigger, why has, is, is incredible. It's in absolute game changers for those who don't know why you're, you know, if you're ever in a tough spot, try to think about why you're actually doing it or what's the main purpose of why do I have this job in the first place? Okay. Well, I want to make money, but why do you want to make money? What is the, 
you know, I want to take my family to Disney World so they could have these experiences. Okay, well, that's your why. You're, you're asking a couple questions to dig down to that why is incredible. And, and I want to touch a little bit more on the emotional side of things as well, because you're really, really big with being emotional with your customers. And, and, and I think you even mentioned, dare I say, love wow. your customers, right? What is the importance of building that kind of relationship just outside of the business realm into genuinely caring about these people? And what kind of results could you have as a result? Yeah. And, and you really did. And I did say that Tyler, I actually said, dare I say love. And I do love my clients because the minute that you make it a personal relationship and not business, the business will not only come to you, it will come in like tenfold. It could come to you in a hundredfold. The minute that you stop being cookie cutter, robotic, you know, oh, my intention is to sell this person. No one wants to be sold. No one. I don't care. Not who even you sales are. professionals. No, I none hate, of us want to be sold. I hate being sold to, by the way. <laughs> Nobody ever, because, because you're in a defensive mode instead of a positive proactive mode. No one wants to, because you always have to feel like you're at a lower rung when you're being sold, right? So you have to make those personal connections. And Tyler, we were having this conversation before we went live. In, the, in our generation right now, it's so easy to make those personal connections, whether it's social media, whether it's reading their websites and their mission statements, or whether it's that personal phone call or meeting someone face-to-face, -face, forget the business part, build the relationship first. I mean, I like to equate it to the fact of if you met a woman you know, in a bar, you're not going to go from zero to a hundred through the relationship. You're not going to, you're not going to propose the very first day that you meet her. There has to go through stages. It's the same thing as a business relationship. You have to get to know them first. You have to build a personal bond. I mean, I'm going to give you a person, uh, Ashton, I'll give you an example of something that just happened to me yesterday. So one of my speaking events that's coming up, we always do pre-calls before we do like our, our live events. And I jumped on a Zoom and a woman jumps on and I've never met this woman face-to-face -face before. And I'm like, hi, how are you? And she's like, Laura, I want to thank you for something. And I'm like, hmm, what would you like to thank me for? She goes, I won an award last year and you sent me a congratulations handwritten note. Now, Tyler, to be honest, I don't even remember doing this, but I have a practice that I watch all of my mortgage industry newsletters that come out or magazines, digital magazines. And whenever there is an award, I take the time to personally not only connect to them on LinkedIn, connect to them on Facebook and Twitter, but I write them handwritten congratulatory notes, regardless if they're a current client or a future client. Sometimes things happen, sometimes they don't, but that was like almost 18 months ago and that woman remembered and that woman now is a connection. And now I'm going to be on a stage with her two weeks from now and she wants to start a relationship with my company. Wow. You so never know. This is talking about the long game. What is the importance of planting some of those early seeds? And I think that that's, I'm going to try to find a way to implement that into my progression as well as I continue throughout my career. But what is the importance of the long game as well? Because sometimes we get caught up in the day to day of like, what do I need to do right now? Or even just the next couple of years, but how do you kind of focus 
a little bit further out and plant some of those seeds, but also have the expectation of nothing in return. Cause I, I heard that, that that point as well. Yes. And you are correct. And it's funny. You'll see the sign say yes every day behind me, which is my book and my mindset. Right. And the thing about say yes every day, it means not saying yes to everything. That's not the simplistic form of what it means. What it means is opening yourself up to new opportunities and seeing things from a perspective of, I am saying yes to meeting you, right? Okay. You, you messaged me. I said, yes. I said, let's do this. Let's form this relationship because I know that the investment in time of us connecting, it doesn't necessarily get us something at this moment, but I promise you there will be dots that come together that all of a sudden you don't realize, wow, 18 months ago, two years ago, you have to go into everything with no expectations or preconceived notions. If you go in thinking, oh, well, if I meet Laura Brandeo, she's going to introduce me to 10 people. And then those, and then when it doesn't happen, Tyler, you feel you lost. You feel, well, darn it. I thought that I was going to get introduced to 10 people. And when that doesn't happen, maybe I did something wrong. I'm second guessing myself. Maybe she didn't like the way I asked this question. Maybe she, I didn't do really good follow-up. No, you go into every situation that I'm doing it because I'm planting the seed for the future. Some will grow, some will not. I I'm telling you right now, forget about 18 months. This could be something five years down the road. Tyler, you're building, especially your generation, you're building your future brand. You, if you right now in the industry that you work, if you start sending these messages, whether they're LinkedIn messages, not selling them, just happy work anniversary, happy birthday, send them a video on their birthday, just saying, hey, Laura, just wanted to wish you a wonderful day on your birthday. I guarantee you, Tyler, they're going to remember that. They're going to say, now that guy gets it. May not accumulate to something today, but I promise you'll be at some conference. You'll get on a call. All of a sudden, somebody goes, oh my God, Tyler. Yeah, you're the guy that sends the video happy birthday messages on LinkedIn. That's incredible. I really appreciate that. Separate yourself. Be true to yourself. Be your authentic self. Do not worry what other people are doing. Come up with what works best for you. If it's video, if it's writing, if it's sending little gifts, whatever it is, do what's comfortable for you and don't expect immediate gratification because some will come today, some will come tomorrow, some will come five years from now. But if you're building a career, those relationships right now you may be sitting for a job interview three years from now, and that could have been one of your happy birthday messages. And all of a sudden, the CEO on the other side goes, holy moly, Tyler, you sent me a message like three years ago. How great is that interview? It's the, it doesn't even matter. As long as, you, as long as you don't mess it up, you're in. <laughs> because I promise you, the other, the other people being interviewed didn't do that. Absolutely. I love that. And I, and I saw on your LinkedIn profile, diving in more about the say yes every day, you mentioned that when you start doing this, you feel more passionate and excited about the mortgage business is, you know, whatever you're doing, you make some of the most incredible people in the industry, which you, you sending messages to, right? Understanding the meaning of harmony. Now let's, let's dive into that. What does that mean? 
Yeah, I mean, so let's back up to where Say Yes Every Day came from. Okay, so let's go to its origin. So I really understand where that all comes about. So it's April of 2018. And I need to set the stage of what my work life looked like at that time. I'm an owner in the company. I'm the chief operations officer for a national mortgage lender. Okay, so here I am in the office, morning, noon, night, you know, built this company up to be a successful national lender. But all of a sudden, in the middle of 2018, something called margin compression happens. So what that means is that um, previously, you would make X on a loan, and then margin compression squeezed the margins. So the same loan, maybe you made a third of that. So I had to figure out how to all of a sudden get an increase in sales doing exactly the same thing. And a phone call comes in. And the phone call said, Laura Brandeo, I'm starting a new mortgage organization, and I would like you to speak at our first conference in Irvine, California. Now, Tyler, remember, I was the workhorse. I was in the office every day. I didn't go to conferences. I was not on social media. I was literally, no one knew me except my company, okay? No branding, no nothing, okay? So I'm like, yes, because I can possibly meet clients and I can get sales. So yes, I'm doing it. Well, about two weeks before the event, I chicken out. I'm like, who in the world am I to get on a stage. I've never been on a stage before. Maybe no one wants to hear me. No one wants to see me. I, I, I'm too nervous about this. So I get an idea. I'm going to reach out to one of my top sales guys. And I'm like, hey, you're going to go on stage. Of course, Laura, I'll be happy to go on stage. And then something happened, Tyler. The organizer for that event called me again. And he's like, hey, are you trying to get out of going up on that stage? And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm really, I'm nervous about it, but I have a great guy for you. He's going to go up instead. Right. And Tyler, he said, no. Now, Tyler, I'm going to give you an inside peek. When you become an executive, okay, everyone says yes to you. They all say yes. All my team members, they just agree. All my ideas, whatever I ask Laura has to do, the best ideas, right? <laughs> no one says no to me. But this gentleman said no. In my mind, I thought, this guy must see something. This guy must see something in me that's telling me I should be up on that stage. So I got up on that stage. And then something happened. I got up. And I was doing a panel discussion. I had four top producing salespeople that I was interviewing. And afterwards, there was a line of women waiting to speak to me. And I'm like, what is this, right? So I said, ladies, how can I help you? And they said, Laura, thank you. Thank you for being a woman executive up on a stage. We never see women up on that stage. It's always men, no women. And a light bulb went off in my head. And I said, I will never let fear hold me back ever again. And on that plane ride home, I decided that I will say yes every single day to being open with no preconceived notions or no expectations just for the fact of saying yes to the experience. And Tyler, 
a ripple happened. And all of a sudden, I was on magazines and I was on podcasts and I was promoted to being president of my company. And I became on the board of directors for IT companies and streaming companies and mortgage organizations. And I started new women's groups all because I said yes to not letting fear overtake me in that one instance. So Laura, this all happened. We, we need to take a step back here because it, it, this person, this executive saying no to you was a game changer for your career. What if, Everything. He, said, what if he would have said yes to that? Then I would have just kept doing the same thing. Tyler, it was like I woke up. It, the way I describe it, is it was like I was, when you spoke about the personal why, right? And knowing your purpose when you're doing your job. I felt like I was, I always loved the mortgage industry, so don't get me wrong, but I felt like I just was in this routine of doing the same thing over and over again every day. And I woke up from a sleep. I woke up from my, I woke up from my comfort zone. All of a sudden I was awake. And I was alive and I was like, I'm not going to waste not one day. Fear will not hold me back. I will, I mean, Tyler, I've been on the stage of the Bellagio with thousands of people that I've spoken to in Vegas. I mean, this all happened like that. The last time I was there was in 19. So, I mean, it happened very quickly from waking up in the middle of 18 to literally the stage of the Bellagio in 19. That's how fast it happened. Wow. That is incredible. I want to dive into, I mean, that's not like, obviously that was the beginning of your public speaking career, but how could this, how could this, I, I aspire to, as I mentioned previously to, to, you know, be a speaker at some point, maybe after the book or, or whatever the case is, but how does somebody get involved with this speaking industry? Is it, is, I mean, I know for you, it kind of just happened, but how could somebody like myself, slowly get myself into a position to be able to do that at some point in my career. It all starts with having a message that is not like anybody else. So you have to start with knowing who you are and branding yourself. The problem with most people is that they're mimicking or they're copying other people that they see. So, hey, and and I'll, I'll take you back to even my career. When I started in the mortgage industry, I, I mentioned about how I toned down my energy. I was trying to be just like all the men in the boardroom, okay? So back then I had short, dark hair and I wore business suits and, and I kept quiet until it was time to have a discussion. And I approached things just like everyone else in the room. But in 2018, when I woke up, all of a sudden, I had long blonde hair and all of a sudden I was wearing my dresses and, and I was using my energy and everyone reacted and went, hey, who did that woman come from? Right. She's different. Believe, yeah, this woman is different. So your speaking career or your book or, or your social media, start with your social media. It is so powerful. Create your brand of who you are. Again, not who everybody else is, not the same thing that other people are doing. Don't be afraid to be yourself and position things in the way you want to think. Not because no one's going to put you on a stage if you have the same message that everyone else has. Right. You know, the reason why people put me on a stage is they love my energy. They love the fact that when people are done watching me, they want to run out and they want to like take on the world or they want to be inspired. So 
approach it in your way. Give them education, give them inspiration and network your behind off. I'm going, I'm going to tell a story. I was going to a, a speaking event in San Diego and I was in the Phoenix airport and I love just speaking to people, right? I'll speak to anyone, right? Because I, I love people. It's just I your just personality, love, right? I love people. So there's a young gentleman sitting and, you know, I'm like, oh, are you going to San Diego? He's like, I am. He's like, I'm moving there. I'm like, oh my God, that's a big deal. You're, you're moving to San Diego. He goes, yeah, I just got my PhD and I'm part of a CEO training program. And I'm like, oh, this is a good topic. I'm like, oh, I, I want to learn from you. Yeah. I'm like, so tell me, what are they teaching you in CEO training school, right? How do you become a CEO? Yeah. And he's like, he's like, well, you know what the number one skill is? I'm like, I can't wait to hear. What's the number one skill? Networking. Networking. He said, I have to be able, just like what you just did, Lord. And he even said to me, you've got to be an executive. I said, yeah, I am. And, <laughs> and he's like, I could tell by the way you approached me and, and got me to start speaking to you. He's like, so go on social media, start networking. Do not look for the big jobs. You go up to people that have a podcast. You go up to people that are having a virtual event. You start with, hey, are you looking for someone to come on and speak about sales or, or how everything starts with sales as a foundation to your career? I, I would be you know, happy to raise my hand to be part of that. You have to start. Don't, don't think the Bellagio is going to call you tomorrow. You have to remember, no expectations and no preconceived notions. Remember Network. that everybody, everybody <laughs> needs to remember that whether you're in sales, no matter what you're doing, don't have it, do it because you want to do it. Right. And this is a life skill. You know, I, I tell my wife all the time, you know, we, you know, like if we get a gift for somebody or something, like the reason we're doing it is like, I don't expect them to go and give, get my son one, then that would be great. And I would feel overwhelmed about it, but we're doing it because that's how we would want to be treated. And we're going to do it that way. So why not do that in the business world as well? Right. This is life. It's the thing is, Tyler, is most people give up because in their mind, they've thought, well, okay, if I go and I give this gift, now they're going to turn around and they're going to do this. And then when that doesn't happen, we get disappointed and we, we don't do it the next time. No, that is not the way to approach life. You have to do it because like you said, because in my heart or in my mind, it was the right thing to do. Writing that congratulation note to that woman, congratulating her on an award, whether I knew her or not, whether I did business with her or not, it was the right thing to do. Could you imagine getting, when, when someone sends me a message, I tell the story, Larry Levine and I became friends because Larry Levine messaged me on LinkedIn, hey, Laura, just checking in during this difficult time, because it was April of 2020, just checking in with you to see if you're okay. He didn't sell me. He didn't offer to give me a special. He didn't ask me for anything. He just checked in. That's how you form relationships. Wow. I love that. Thank you so much for that. That's a great lesson for anybody, whether you're going out for podcast guests or you're building relationships, networking, uh, super, super incredible skill. And, and Laura does it incredibly well. So you need to listen to it. So Laura, I need to, I want to jump in with the not, you know, you, you serve on a lot of boards right now and you're involved with a lot of nonprofit organizations. 
how did you get involved with some of that stuff and why is it so important? Does that also tie into some of the networking as well? Yeah. So again, when I was coming up through the industry, I wasn't part of any of those things. All of that happened after 2018 because Tyler, you know, you'll see this wall behind me of awards. Okay. Again, psych psychology, people. Okay. People have a vision in their mind of who they want to follow, who they're influenced by, who they want to listen to. And I have realized that I have an ability that when I share my voice or I give my time or energy to certain things, it helps other people rally behind it, okay? Well, when you realize that, and we all have that ability, we all have that power to do that. We have to step forward and things that we're passionate about, whether for me it's women leadership, there's a lack of women leadership in my very male dominated industry. I need to fix that. So not only did I join boards, I created my own divisions of, of women leadership groups. I started them. If it doesn't, if something doesn't exist, start it, do it yourself. Don't wait for someone else to ask you to do it. And so during 2020, when I was writing my book, when I was doing multiple podcasts, when I was doing through the roof numbers in the mortgage industry, because we were very busy, I decided I was also going to get highly involved in a lot of these organizations because I knew I could make a difference. So for me right now, I'm at the point in my career, I'm truly blessed. I work in a wonderful industry and I want to make sure that I leave that industry better than when I found it. So over this next how many years that I continue on in this industry, I'm going to make a difference and pave the way for those behind me. Wow, I love that. And that is true leadership. So thank you so much for that, Laura. There's so much to be learned from that story and also moving forward as well. So you, you'd recommend just finding, you know, say I want to get involved with some nonprofits locally um, or, or want to get into some board work potentially. Is it finding those things that I'm truly passionate about it and is. just reaching out? Do you prospect into them as well to some of those leaders? <laughs> I do. I mean, it's actually ironic. The, the conference I'm going to tomorrow is for the is for NAMBA, which is a minority organization to not only help bring minorities into the mortgage industry, but to also bring college students into the mortgage industry. I happened to see a LinkedIn post in 2020 from someone saying we're starting the visionary program. For $1,000, each company can give $1,000 towards this program, and it's educating colleges and bringing college students into our industry. Well, when I saw that, I'm like, that's a really good program. That's a phenomenal program that I want to get behind. So I reached out, and I just said, how can I help? What can I do? And they're like, well, Laura, you know, you can go and you can ask other companies within the mortgage industry to get on board. And so I did that. And I just went my cold calling days. I literally went from the top to the bottom, whether I knew them, whether I didn't, I said, this is an amazing program. You need to be part of it. Next thing you know, I'm the chair of the program. The next thing you know, I'm on the board of directors for the organization because I saw something that I was passionate about and I decided to jump in and make a difference. So that is how you do it. You look for something that you're like, that's something I can get behind. You ask them how can, again, no preconceived notions. Nothing You're in not return. going in. You're not going in expecting to be on the board or to be the chair of a program. You're doing it because it aligns to your why of who you are. And then once you do an amazing job, it may or may not happen. It doesn't matter because you did it 
because it aligns to you, not because you're expecting something. Wow. I love that, Laura. That is incredible. And I saw, I saw something on your, on your LinkedIn as well, that it mentioned that you are, uh, that your peers would describe you as one of the hardest working people that they've <laughs> ever met. And I think that I was going to ask you why that's the case, but I think you just told us that. Is it that you find a passion and you find your, you try to tie your why to whatever you're doing and that's just going to push you through whatever it is? I don't ever feel I work. It's an honor and a privilege. Every single thing that I do, so you're none always of doing it is those work. things. You're doing those things that recharge your batteries all the time. I, there is never a moment that I'm working because it's not work. Work is, oh, you know, oh man, you know, oh, I got it. not at all. Everything I do is an honor and a privilege to serve. I'm serving my clients. I'm serving my team that works for me. I'm serving my industry. I am here for everyone else. And I use my internal gifts and superpowers in order to be able to fulfill and take us to a higher level. There is no work involved. Wow. I love that. And that, that, that all ties back to, to me, I think of, you, you didn't mention making any kind of money during any of this whole situation. And, but the money is an outcome to all of that fantastic work. Do you agree with that? You know, so I always tell the story and I've actually, I've told this story to my kids, you know, because listen, we all need money in life, okay? We, and we all know the more you have, the easier life is, right? Gives you you more, more I think it gives you more freedom or flexibility to do the things that it you want. It does, absolutely. But I tell the story that when I started in telemarketing, I was making $7 an hour. I'll, I'll never forget like that number, $7 an hour. And I remember when I stepped before that vice president, I didn't ask for any more money. I never at any moment asked for more money. All I asked for an opportunity to work more hours. And just so you know, I did wind up buying that house when I was 24. I bought that house. It took me a few years of savings, but I did do it. Right. So you are 1000% correct, Tyler. I, I'm very blessed. I spend the winters in Scottsdale. I spend the summers in New Jersey. So I have multiple East and West Coast. I am very blessed. But money is a byproduct of how I think, how I work, and how I will always put other people first. When you are able to do that, it will come. That is never the reason why I do it, I but it is that. an outcome. That is so fantastic. For those out there who are going to just chase money, you need to take a step back and realize that is not, it's a lot and it's, you know, you need to, to be in a position to, you know, to live. However, it's not everything. So Laura, thank you so much for that. I have a couple of final wrap up questions. I'd love to ask you kind of more of a rapid fire. Sure. Um, so if somebody in their, what should somebody in their 20 or thirties know about investment properties, just jumping into the mortgage side of things? I, I mentioned this a little bit earlier about generational wealth. I will tell you one of the smartest things you can do is buying real estate, whether it's investment properties, whether it's, you, you know, a primary residence that you live in for a little bit, and maybe it turns into an investment property, just be smart about it, right? There's a lot of people out there that, you know, make sure you're not upside down, make sure that your cash flow is taking care of your mortgage, you know, be very aware and do your homework and make sure you're working with a good mortgage person and lender that can educate you and make sure you're doing things the right way. But I will tell you, I don't feel there's any better investment 
than real estate. Now, might not be a short-term investment, right? This, a lot of times real estate, it takes time in order for things to accumulate, but it is a safe, wonderful investment. And right now there are 3 million people looking for homes across the United States, and there are only 1 million homes available to buy. So when you purchase a home, that home will only go up they will never be able to build enough homes to satisfy your generation of buying homes. So any homes that people currently own will continue to go up in value. Well, thank you so much for telling me that because we got we we spent a little bit more that we wanted to on our home to get it because we were. Don't one worry. Of those- It'll, it'll appreciate. Thank you so much. I'm going to send you a check in the mail for some of this therapy as well. I appreciate that. Um, I feel like these, these podcasts are very therapeutic for me. Um, so I feel like I'm saying that phrase a lot recently. Uh, Anyway, my final question I want to ask you, Laura, before I kick it off and, and, you know, tell people where, where they could find you. If you were teaching a college 101 class based upon all of your life experience, whether it's your work or what you're doing on the, you know, on the additional side of things, what would you teach and why? Okay, so it's interesting. I'm doing something today for the very first time because again, I throw I throw myself out of the my yes every day. Zone. Yes, I try every day. So today I am kicking off a four part symposium that's like a college class, and I'm starting with understanding who you are to actually make a blueprint for your life. I believe that we all have the ability to build the life that we want. But a lot of times we don't know who we are and what we want. And that's the reason why we're chasing all the time is because we haven't actually discovered what you want. So I think the biggest thing is you have to inwardly understand what you want to do. And once you know what you want to do, whatever that passion is, whatever it is, go into it like as if there is no plan B. A lot of times we're like, well, that doesn't work out. I'll do this. Make it so you burn the boats. You are out there. You have no way off the island. You are going to make it work. Why why do you think when I started in telemarketing, right? Here I am, a new mom, a new wife with a baby, okay? I didn't have a choice. I had to figure it out. I had to make it work, right? I didn't have a backup plan. There was no trust fund that was going to save me if I didn't figure out how to be successful calling people in telemarketing. And once I found my passion in mortgage, mortgage is my life. I will continue to give back to it until I don't have breath in my body anymore. And then people will be able to say, that's the legacy that Laura Brandale left. Go all in once you know what it is with no plan B option and put yourself out there so that everyone knows who you are. And it's synonymous. You just have to be famous in your local world, not the whole globe. People over in Honduras don't need to know who I am because I'm never going to do business in Honduras. But in your realm, in your industry, Become that you are known for whatever you want that image to be. And regardless of what company you ever work for, make it about you. Don't tie yourself to Tyler at X. It's Tyler. Make it about you. Build your brand. Go all in. And I promise you, you can design the life that you want. Laura, this has been such a fantastic conversation. I'm going to take this energy throughout the course of the day and could talk to you for hours based upon some of the things we talked about. Where could people learn more about you and what you have going on? 
So connect to me on social. Okay. So LinkedIn, Laura Brandeo, Facebook, and my website is laurabrandeo.com. Laura, thank you so much. Thank you, Tyler. Thank you so much for listening into today's episode. I've been really getting some great feedback from listeners and many have left a rating and review on Apple podcast as well. If you enjoyed the show, I would really appreciate if you could leave a review as well. It truly goes a very long way in spreading the word for our guest and also allows me to continue to bring on more incredible guests and onto the show. Stay tuned for next week's episode. Thank you so much, everyone. 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 Episode. Thank you so much, everyone.